All right, special guest, Melissa Reed, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Melissa, you're one of those people that I've known a long time. You know, you get to a certain age and you, you, you don't have a lot of friends that have been around for 10 plus years. You know, you've, uh, you've, we've been in and out of each other's lives for quite some time. Yeah, I was just, my husband the other night just wore his Albany uh, throwdown from, gosh, probably circa 2009 <laughs> t-shirt. I was like, you still have that thing? Yeah, you you know, you you were around very, you mean, still very fit, but I mean, ultra competitive back in the day, hitting the sectional and regional scene. Yeah, but, well, <laughs> oh, was that, that was like 2009 level of fitness. Yeah, you know, relative to what was competitive back then, but still, hey, when if you listen to the show often enough, Fern hangs on to his regional appearances, you should... <laughs> yeah. You should cling too. to those. That's right. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, just a, a brief summary of, of of you and your accomplishments. You're a physical therapist, as well as a level three coach and a part of the seminar staff. And and of course, the bigger, more important things. You know, married, three kids type of thing. <laughs> so, yeah. What's what's more impressive? Becoming a physical therapist or achieving your level three or level four credential? Oh, gosh. I Honestly, I would say probably the hardest, most stressful, most accomplished thing I think I have done would be to get on seminar staff. Really? You know, I was thinking about you as we were gearing up for this and knowing you're a physical therapist, I was thinking, you know, in some ways, would some people look at that as almost a step down? Like, oh, now you're just a coach? You know, the typical mindset of like my mom, who always asks me when I'm going to get a real job. But, you know, you go from this really, you know, a prestigious career and obviously coaching in as well. I'm not speaking from my opinion, but it's like, oh, now you're just coaching. And of course, you're doing both. But did some people in your life think that was like crazy? Like, why are you trying to just coach on weekends? You're, you're, a physical therapist. <laughs> yeah, my dad was like, "You sure? Are you sure about this? I mean, you went to school. Let's 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 focus on the PT side of things." But um, you know, to me, it's a way to blend both of my passions and, um, you know, try to if if nothing else, I think CrossFit completely changed the the direction and the level um, of my physical therapy. Uh, I am a thousand times better uh, practitioner. At, having the background in, in, in CrossFit than, than I ever would have been had I not, you know, I would have been stuck in the, the land of TheraBand and, and ankle weights, you know? And so um, I, I credit CrossFit to my success as a physical therapist now. How are you so tan, by the way? I heard it just snowed in Connecticut. You seem to have this like <laughs> tanned glow about you. So we had last maybe a week and a half ago, we had this 80 degree day that I literally was outside every, all day and burnt so bad. And it turned a little tan and bronzer, bronzer helps. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people, especially, I don't know about you, when you see the, the letters after someone's name at a seminar, and I do want to talk about your journey to making seminar staff, but you see the letters like PT or DPT or chiropractor, MD, from our perspective, a lot of times our first reaction is like, uh-oh, is this going to be that dude? Or 
girl, woman that is sticking their hand up, asking us questions about, you know, the knees out thing or all these, you know, nuances of movement. But you came from that background and I think you finished your degree in 2003. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there was a brief period of time before CrossFit where you were just the PT. When you came into CrossFit, what, what about you led you in here with an open mind? Oh, I didn't come in with an open mind. <laughs> oh, so, okay, so I, I'm no, assuming you did. Ass- yeah, no, I was like that asshole who questioned my coach on everything. Like, Valsalva, why would you want me to hold my breath? You know that's going to increase my blood pressure, right? Like, that's you know dangerous. I pass out, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? And I would go home and literally spend hours on the internet to try to prove why I was right. And this was a stupid thing to do. So this and was so now- a CrossFit affiliate. No, this was actually in a garage. I started with uh, Elizabeth Darsh in her garage. Oh, I didn't for even about know you. Year. Elizabeth yep. is an OG. If anyone's not, yep. you know, heard of Elizabeth Darsh, Google her, and she's got some great articles. And she's a she's a Vassar graduate, so a super super smart woman. So, okay, so but I mean, if you're working out with Liz in her garage, you're doing CrossFit. Yeah. Yeah. So so first question is why even bother doing CrossFit then? So I, I loved the change. I was so bored at the gym. I come from, you know, playing sports my whole life and I just, I needed a challenge and, the, and it provided me that and I was learning to do new things and, you know, but I just, I just questioned everything just because it was so different from what I was taught. Um, and, you know, within the year kind of came around, it was like, yeah, this is, spot on you know I took my level one like yeah why am I not having my patients squat of course they should be squatting and deadlifting and pressing and so but no I definitely was like that person coming into you know CrossFit or those seminars you know asking like are you sure it's okay to put my knees over my toes you know (laughs) so you you like the idea of CrossFit but you didn't necessarily want to buy in 100% to what we were saying Right, right. But at some point, and I do want to ask about, let, let's go here first. Did it matter that you were learning from someone like Liz, who at that point was somewhat invested in the CrossFit world and also a female? Um, what do you, in what ways? In, in a way that it allowed you to be a little more open-minded. In other words, had you come to my gym and you're dealing with a man and probably, you know, a little too rough around the edges, and if I was like, no you're wrong versus I imagine Liz is someone that validated your questions and then also helped educate you or pointed you in the direction to learn more. That's a really good point. I never thought about it, but absolutely. Yeah, probably. I think had I been met with somebody who, you know, wasn't ready to entertain my questions or shut me down, I think that probably would have rubbed me the wrong way. Um, but because she was so open and because she, you know, entertained and humored some of my questions and, and I think, yeah, it, it led me to really embrace and, and do some of the research on my own and, and find out that, oh, she actually really does know what she's talking about. And I think for me, and I think for a lot of students coming out of physical therapy or or chiropractic or even medical school, like we are not given adequate background in and exercise. We're not, you know, we're trained in the human body and tendons and where muscles and ligaments and nerves and all of that stuff. 
Um, but when it comes to exercise, and I think they're coming around, it definitely leads some to be desired, desired and, uh, and, and I credit CrossFit to kind of filling that void in my education. So why were you doing the research? You know, what were you looking to gain? Were you looking to be like, oh, you're right, Melissa. We will never squat below parallel again. <laughs> you're getting these results that are speaking for themselves, but you're still trying to win an argument, you know, which very much sounds like my life here with my wife, right? <laughs> like, but, but was that what you were looking for or were you just kind of researching in a way to find out why she was correct? I think a little bit of both. I think just my personality is one that I don't always take things at face value or just because so-and-so said it, I want to know for myself. And, um, and so that was just part, part my own personality and part just because it was so different from everything that I had just come through school learning. Gotcha. So you, you get involved in CrossFit and you, you're, you're changing your belief system. What's one thing you used to believe from physical therapy that CrossFit has changed your mind about? The importance of weightlifting, heavy loads. So what was your belief that the human body doesn't need to squat a five by five or uh, is it a, you know, gender specific? Yeah. And I think just going through school and this, you know, and again, I'm, I'm hopeful that this has changed because I'm old, right? I went to school 20 years ago. I was in Not college. Old. We're right? the same age. We're the same <laughs> age. Melissa. So 20 years ago, going through PT school, it was light loads, three sets, 12 to 20 reps using bands, using ankle weights, and, you know, trying to find a, a dumbbell over 10 pounds in the clinic was, you just, you didn't find it. Um, well, and, and again, you know, you're, you're referring to the patients that are already injured. Right. So would, would the same prescription be true for anybody like, hey, no one in this world really needs to go that heavy? Um, I don't think I thought that. No, I just okay. didn't, you know, wasn't something that was a priority for me. You know, when my fitness routine looked a lot like a lot of running, a lot of cardio and, you know, some light to medium weight dumbbells. Right. So this was outside the realm of, of the my typical, little bubble of experience. Yeah. Yeah. There's a typical female. I want to be toned. No, I don't right. want to gain muscle. Like I, yeah. I don't want to look like, like a dude, but you know, <laughs> you know, meanwhile, you're very strong and you certainly don't look like a dude as none of the, even the, I think one of the biggest misconceptions about the high level CrossFit women is they look big, but when you're around them in person, like I feel bigger than Tia. She's a lot stronger than me, but I feel bigger than her when I see her. It's so funny, right? And they always say, oh, the camera adds 10 pounds, but any of the top level athletes that I've always met in person, um, I'm always just, wow, they're a lot smaller than I thought. I think it's just, they're so lean yeah. that they look bigger than, you know, than they truly are. Yeah. So, so you, you're working with Liz, at what point did you join CrossFit Watertown? I know that was her box or did you go off and, we were, and join a different box in Connecticut? No. So we were in her garage for, I don't remember how long. And then she decided she was going to open up a space. So we moved into a space and this was 2008 and she needed a little help. And she said, Hey, would you think about going and taking your level one? I said, Absolutely. So I went and did that 2008. I was actually five months pregnant at the time when I took my level one and came back and started helping her out 
um, at CrossFit Watertown. I remember going to CrossFit Watertown. Coach Glassman did a whole 101, he called it like the 101 series, and he would show up yeah. in boxes, talk a little bit, get questions asked. Were you at that one? Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, it, it was it was really cool. And I think at that time, you know, Liz was maybe working with him or traveling with him. So, you know, he was there and it was such a great experience. I wound, It was like following the dead. Like I saw him at like three different affiliates. He was in New Jersey, you know, he's on Long Island. So it was, it was really great. At what point did you think to yourself, all right, I'm, I'm coaching. I want to be a, a red shirt. I want to be a part of the seminar staff. That probably wasn't until a little bit later. Um, that wasn't really even on my radar at first. We, um, we opened our gym in 2010, my husband and I, um, in Danbury, which is about a half hour from Watertown. So we want to give a little bit of space. And we just, we're just so passionate about it. And we wanted to you know, make this our world. And it was probably after we opened up our gym that I started to think about like, hey, I think, I think this is something I want to go for. What made you think that? Because a lot of people, I think, get that bug or itch on, on the day they show up. It's, it's motivating to them. But you're talking two plus years later, something must have reignited that. Yeah, I think just being, when we opened the gym, all of a sudden my coaching hours skyrocketed. So I wasn't coaching four classes a week anymore. I was coaching... I don't know, probably six to eight, sometimes 10 classes a week. And I think I just, it just kind of sparked that passion. of like, well, I'm really loving this coaching thing. And I mean, what higher level of coaching is there than, than staff? Well, you could be a level four coach like I am on staff, yeah. right? But you <laughs> <True>. know, but <laughs> something to strive for. So, yeah, so let, yeah. let's talk through it. I don't think we've ever discussed this with a with a woman trying to get on staff. Um, so you, you, you kind of make this decision, you think about it, and I assume you, you know, you and Kirk have a conversation, you got rugrats all over the place, you know, he's probably like, hey, you're gonna go volunteer your weekends while I'm stuck with the kids. What, um, <laughs> what was that discussion like? And then what was, how did you make that in? You know, for me, I had a connection to Dave, so I shot Dave Castro an email. What was that like for you? So at the time, we actually only had one. It was only my son, Jackson. He was about five years old, four. He was four years old. Um, I had the connection through Liz and had said, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Um, so she kind of helped get my resume in, I think, to Pat Sherwood. Yeah, who not, kinda... not a bad connect. Here, you know, Greg, here's a right. my friend's <laughs> resume type of thing. Yeah. Yep. So um, it's funny, you know, I, it wasn't an easy process. I worked my ass off. I think, you know, maybe second to you have had the longest internship process. So how many of you, how many did you do? Uh, I think I did nine. Nine. Okay. So let, let's really talk about it. So when, when did you approximately have this conversation with Liz? Oh gosh. Um, it was probably around 2011. Okay. And then, you know, she gives your resume or puts in a good word to Pat or someone, you know, moves it up the chain. Did you hear back from yeah. Dave and Nicole? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, re I don't remember the exact timeline. What I do remember is that I did my first three and 
on my, right before my third one, I found out I was pregnant with my second. So you did your first one, which is A, notoriously very stressful, but mm -hmm. B, you don't really have a lot of responsibilities, but you kind of do. Right. So who, do you remember who you worked with on that first one? On the very first one, it was James Hobart. And, you know, the rest of the crew there. How, yeah, it was a Boston. It was up at Reebok. So it was like man, the crew of crews. <laughs> I know. Interning in the Northeast, I mean, I'm sure it was this way around the world. But, you know, in the Northeast, you had Austin and James and Denise, like three people. And, and probably because we lived near them and got to know them, like really looked up to them. So it was, it was always stressful for me. Where, where would you put that stress? I mean, you've given birth three times. Let's call that, <laughs> let's call that an 11, right? And then, you know, casual day of one, where would you put, where would you put yeah. your, your intern, your first intern experience? Oh gosh. It, the first one, like I said, because it wasn't, we're not doing so much. It was probably around an eight, but then you get two, three that gets up in that 10 range, hundred percent. So, you know, you go through, obviously, you, you know, you had the personality to make it to your second, and you obviously coached well enough to make it through your third, and then you said you find out you're pregnant. Did that kind of put things on the back burner? Yes. Yeah. So my third, my third was with EC, which that was, that was like stress level 11. I get stressed just talking to her, like, and we're <laughs> friends now. So, so, yeah. yeah. I never interned under her, luckily, but I've worked with her numerous times. And man, she's intimidating. And I, and I think, you know, at that point I knew, and I had, I had told, um, you know, I sent a letter to HQ and I told EC, so she knew. And I don't know, maybe that was the easy way for her to be out and, and kind of be like, okay, let's, let's, you know, go home, brush up a little bit, have this baby. And then <laughs> come back, back in nine in months. Nine months. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so you, you think regardless, I mean, in this circumstance, it's hard to know, but you got the typical, hey, you're good enough. We like you, but you need to develop for another, you know, somewhere between three and 12 months. What would have been the challenge in turning or potentially being on staff pregnant? Well, the, other than, you know, on my own end. Yeah, I, I'm just wondering. I mean, that's not something I ever had to consider. If it, it was it just the concern of, hey, if I get on, you know, I'm going to give birth and I know I'm going to need some time off. Was it that part of it, or was it just more like I can't travel and and deal with whatever you deal with as a as a pregnant woman? Yeah, I mean, I think at that point I just wasn't ready, you know, and it was a nice okay. Go, go deal with this pregnancy thing, get yourself to a point where you are ready and you're at this level. And so, you know, maybe a blessing in disguise, but. So, okay. So you have, you, you have your, your child and now it's, how long do you wait from like, Hey, is it like the baby's out? You're, you're on the phone with Dave Castro or, you know, he's in the, he's in the room with <laughs> you guys. <laughs> like, are you ready to come oh. back? Or is it, oh, you need a little he bit was... of time. He was about five months old and I was just like itching. I was like, this is something I want. And like, let's, let's fucking go. Let's do this. 
So I was lucky enough, my, my internship, first internship after he was born was actually in state. It was in Milford and I live probably about 40 minutes. So it was kind of one of those things, Hey, I can go and then I can go home and, and it's not like I'm away for an entire week. Do the mom thing. So it worked out well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how did that, so clearly you didn't get hired on that. I, it was probably almost like a step back. Like this is more like you're doing your second over again. Yeah. And, and basically that's what I did. I restarted the internship process. So this is your fourth. How do you go from four to nine? <laughs> so I did, I did one, two, three. And, and then kind of got the, I don't think you're ready. Devastating, you know, last me, one and drove home crying the whole way. So this was a, you're out. This is your no- no you're not go. ready. You're so not this ready. is probably about your fifth at this point. Uh-huh. Cause I think I know where you're going with it. Tell me, tell me what that's yeah. like for, for a, a female. Cause I heard that I never got the, Hey, this is a no. It was always like dangling a carrot, but yeah. you know, as a male, I didn't cry about it and not that there's anything wrong with that, but it just, you know, we're men, but it was, you know, the way we just deal with it is get frustrated. And then I think for a lot of people it either, I've seen a lot of people get turned off to CrossFit, like F these yeah. guys. I'm not good enough. I'll show them. I'm going to become good at in this area of fitness. But then for a lot of people and those that make it, it's like it lights a fire under your ass. So yeah. you're crying on the way home. Kurt hears all about it, I'm sure. What's <laughs> what's net like, especially with that hard no, like what is that like for you? It was really hard for me. I'm I'm not someone who's used to failing or not being good at something like I pride myself on if I'm not good something I'm going to work my ass off until I am and um you know it's just not just not part of me like like failure is just not an option and to be slapped with that and I have no more control over it was really hard so you know obviously tried to save face and said my goodbyes but yeah the car ride home was it was who was that who was the flow Oh, you're gonna Austin. make me tell you, RJ. Is no, it, it wasn't actually. It wasn't. No. Yes, I am gonna make you tell me. Who was <laughs> it? I got the axe from James Hobart. You know, hey, one thing that I really value on staff is the everyone's ability to put friendship aside when it comes to feedback. You know, and Fern Absolutely. and I, Fern and I've discussed feedback, you know, in 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 depth on past episodes. But no doubt that wasn't fun for James. I mean, I've heard. I've seen it and I've heard it from Austin and James, the stories about it. Like they don't want to tell someone no. Right. You know, they're basically saying no to your dream, but that's what it takes to create the prestige and honor that it is to be on the staff. Oh, a hundred percent. And you know, if you can't handle that and you can't handle a little bit of tough love and some constructive criticism, I don't think you're going to get very far in life anywhere, whether it's on staff or in any aspect of your life. And so I think it was, you know, it was, it was, it was a huge learning process and, and, and something that I'm grateful that I went through because I, I, I had never had anything like that in my life where I, you know, had that type of rejection. Yeah. You got the job you wanted, the man you wanted, life's good. (laughs) Life's good, right? So what what was the catalyst? Like what made the what allowed you to get back in the opportunity? 
I got an email a couple weeks down the line um, inviting me back for a um, like a shadow. So like the double secret probation. The double secret probation. Yeah. That's which, what I did. I, yeah. Know, yeah. So it was, I, I mean, like I said, it was not anything that was I ever expected. Um, but it was, it was amazing. And that, that was a huge opportunity. And I, I knew I couldn't screw that up. And, so. and you go back and you kind of shadow a couple seminars and again, all out of pocket, right? All yeah. travel, yeah. hotel, et cetera. And then your final one, say number nine, I want to say I might've been there, but who was that with? That was at KOE and it was with Nicole Gordon and Denise was there. Uh, Melody Fallman was there. It was like an all female, I think Matt Frankel was the token male. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was, that was like make it or break it. And, and were you more comfortable with an all woman staff? You know, I don't know if it was because it was all female or if it was just because I mean, I wasn't comfortable. I was a nervous wreck. And Nicole Gordon, I, great friend. She's intimidating as well. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. I just, yeah, yeah. It was just one of those things where it's like, you know, put on your big girl panties. You got to fake it till you make it. And if this is what you want, you got to get it, you know? And and you've got the probably the typical speech like, hey, I'm going to move you forward. Of course, it's not my decision. Ultimately, it's up to, you know, Dave or Nicole and and no, what's cool is I actually got the thumbs up at the end of day two when all the participants had left. And uh, I actually like in front of the rest of the red shirts got invited onto staff. It was an unbelievable experience. I like I have chills thinking about it right now. Um, but yeah, I'll never forget that moment. Imagine being with all women. There's just tears everywhere. <laughs> Um, I think tears from me. I think that was it. <laughs> so, and, and what box was this that you said? This is at uh, King of Prussia. Okay, so you're in Pennsylvania. So you've got a, what, two or three hour drive home to Connecticut? Yeah, three hour drive home. What was that like? What was going through your head on the drive home? Oh, it's just, I was just so excited. So of course, you know, I call my husband when I get to the car and I'm like screaming, I got it, I got it. And then I called a couple of close friends that had kind of, you know, that I work with as CrossFit trainers in the area and, and kind of talk to them and just, just really excited and grateful and humbled and just content and happy knowing that, you know, I set a goal for myself and took me a while to get there, but I did it. And I think for most of us, myself included, it's like, you know, the juice is worth the squeeze or whatever cliche expression you want to put in. But like you alluded to earlier, without that hard no or without all those internships, you wouldn't have worked as hard. You wouldn't have become the coach you are today. Yeah. So a few questions about being on staff. First of all, I want to know, you go back to your box. Is there any impact on the box? Like, do, do members really care? I think they were excited for me, but I don't know that they really got it, you know, and even, you know, for years, you know, as I'm traveling, it's, well, where do you go every weekend? You know, what are you doing? So I think the people, our coaches, they know, they get it. Um, but for 90% of my athletes, 
they have no idea what it is I do on the weekends and where I go. And um, to them, I'm just, you know. And I think part of that is, I think part of that is like, they're like, there's coaches better than you. Like you're so good. And I think for anybody that makes it on staff, their members don't realize, Hey, there aren't all level three, level four coaches out there. There's like some bad ones. Right. And they're ones that don't care as much. And they're just like, of course you're on staff. Like you're so good. You're Melissa. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you a few questions about being a female on staff. Sure. Mostly for my curiosity, but I think there's, you know, I think for anyone listening. So you show up every weekend, typically there's anywhere from three to five of us working. And I would say more often than not, there's one female on the weekend. More often, there's plenty, plenty of times, like you mentioned, where there's a lot of females, but say, would you, would you agree with that? Is that a fair statement? Yeah. Yeah. What? At least in our area. Especially in the Northeast. Like I work in Colorado more now and, you know, I've got Cherie and Nicole Gordon and, you know, and, and Becky Harsh. So Courtney, there's, there's a lot of females out here, but especially in the Northeast. Um, what do I not know about showing up on a weekend as a female? Like what I show up as, well, what am I taking for granted as a male? Is that, is that a fair question or is that too? It's not, it's just a question I'd never thought about before. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm a, about as easy going as it gets when it comes to like maintenance as a female. I, I actually enjoy like hanging out with the guys. I grew up with two brothers. So, you know, no amount of like farting and dirty jokes is going to turn me off. Like I have, I live in a house with three boys myself, you know, I, uh, that's, that's fun for me. So, okay. So from, from a colleague perspective, no big deal. Did you know, I worked with you. We probably worked together a dozen times before I moved to Florida. You know, you're always like pumping in between things. For, <laughs> but, but what what changed now that you're kind of like part of the club because you're in and how you would react or how you would act with us guys? Like, you know, I remember you we, when you would work with us, it's like Austin and Joey Dill and Keith. And we're just dumb guys doing dumb guy thing behind the scenes of course on the floor we're (laughs) relatively professional but what changed when you're like wait now I can give it back to these guys (laughs) well can we first talk about the fact that that how you remember me when we worked together was I was just often pumping you were always pumping there was always babies and milk (laughs) around I I just always remember like yeah you would always sneak off like I remember specifically like Garden City you know, Jen and Dennis's box, there was that nice office. Maybe I'm making this up, but you'd go in there like and, and, and pump in there and am I I'm accurate, right? You did have a baby yes, when yes. you're I, yeah. <laughs> I, I spent many seminars in closets in I with my third, I did a lot of work at this gym in Brooklyn and I would have to sit and pump in their shower because it was the only private area they had. Which one? Willie B. Willie B. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. No, I mean, every seminar, practically some woman is like, by the way, I need to pump. Like, I don't care. Like, you're, like you know, <laughs> like I once had a female pumping front row and I didn't realize what was happening. I thought it was like diabetes, to be honest, but it was a machine. Like you would hear yeah. it like every couple. 
and I had no idea. Awesome. I was like, and she told me, I was like, well, you didn't tell me because I've been staring. <laughs> good for her that's awesome she didn't have like there was no like breast help but it was like hang it out <laughs> yeah, that would have been I would have delivered a great lecture but I would have been highly distracted so what um was there anything that changed when you're like wait I can be like I can give shit back to Joey or Jason or or even Austin yeah and I think that took a couple seminars you know just with anything any new person that you meet you want to get some comfort you want to get you know, a little bit of, build a relationship with them before you start, you know, shooting the shit back at them. But I mean, you guys are all so cool and laid back and, and, and you make things fun. And like I said, I, I, I have two boys that I raise here at home. I grew up with two brothers. Like I am comfortable around guys. Is there a challenge when it comes to being the female coach with the participants? So I'll throw, I'll give you what I mean by this. I've, I'm, I'll be 42 next month and I've, I've really come to the realization of how s small I am. Like I didn't understand. And I know Raza, I was talking to her about this at dinner last night. She's like, you're joking. I'm like, no, like I never really put into perspective how tiny I am. Cause I had my physical yesterday and they were, they said five, two and a half. And I'm like, I'm not only small, I'm shrinking. Like I was five, three last year. So I'm like, wow, I'm small. And I never think about it when I'm coaching, like, I never look at it like, is this guy gonna trust this little guy, this giant person over here? You know, and Chuck and Jenny talk about it a lot. You know, what's it like being that female? And do you have to do something different? Like, is there a different mindset with who you're coaching and, and all that? I think in general, I always just try to bring just an attitude of confidence and that I know what I'm doing. And even if inside I'm not a hundred percent confident, it's like, you got to pretend like you are, because I think as a female, any sign of vulnerability or um, indecision, or I'm not sure. And I don't know if this is just my perspective or how, how people feel, but, you know, I want to make sure that as a female, I am credible and I know I know my stuff. And even if I'm not confident, I still have to portray that, that confidence so that I can, you know, you know, gain that respect that I'm looking for. And, and, and I don't know that necessarily guys always think about that. Um, but I think definitely from a female perspective, you're always questioning yourself. You're always doubting yourself. Self-confidence is always an issue, you know, even though you might be the smartest person in the room. And, and I think that's something that females definitely struggle with. Um, and, and for me, it's, it's just reminding myself that, yeah, you do know what you're talking about. You have a ton of experience. And even if you're not confident in yourself, you just have to, you have to come off as, as if you are. Yeah, I love it. And I think that's something I probably do. Like you kind of make that first statement, judge their eye contact, judge how receptive they are, which then spirals into more confidence. Yeah. And, and I think any any coach at some point struggles with that, be it female, male, small, large, you know, you're always kind of battling that. And the more the more you do it, the more confident you get. I assume at this point you show up and you're like, push your damn knees out, Joe. Right. Yeah. 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 And it, and it took a while for that because I was like, well, how do I get there? How do I get there? And, and, and it, and it really just, it was just experience. And then just that continual quest to be better, you know, and that, and that came with time. What's the most disgusting, but funny thing you've been a part of 
with the dudes at, on a weekend. Like, don't like throw somebody completely under the bus. Like that wound up being funny in retrospect. <laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, from demoing on the box and having <laughs> having one of the lecturers fart by accident that was pretty funny who farted <laughs> i'm not anybody on the all right well just assume that was oh and i don't know just you know dinner time conversations are always funny um <laughs> and it always comes back and circles back to somebody's um you know stomach and bowel issues is usually what the, the conversation always goes usually through. Austin's usually <laughs> Austin when it comes to that yeah. and no holds bar in terms of uh you know what what's going down I got a great education um one night in Boston from all the guys about what to expect as I'm raising a 10 11 going on to teenage years boy so that was very enlightening oh yes lots of masturbation coming <laughs> coming your way <laughs> Yeah, no, there was no holding back on, on, I was a little, uh, that, that scarred me a bit. I'm over it now, but that was, that was devastating to hear. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, I don't know how, I don't even, it's such a different time, right? Like, yeah, you get nope, a phone or a computer, you're not hiding anything. <laughs> They're going to find what they want to find. All right, let me, let me, speaking of that, let me ask you a few life questions before, before we wrap it up. So, PT, box owner, mother of three, traveling for seminar staff, husband somewhere in there. Had, what are your tips, tricks, and how are you successful at balance, assuming you are successful? There is no balance. There is no balance. There is constant juggling. And, and every week, it's, it's figuring out what, what the priority is, right? So if I know I'm working a seminar, and I work, you know, when we were working seminars, I was working usually two a month. It was like that week, that's kind of come Wednesday, that's my priority. And my focus is going to go into my free time to prepare for that. Um, when I'm not, uh, you know, anticipating a weekend, it's like, hey, I've got a ton of stuff going on with the kids, soccer games, basketball activities, like that's my priority. You know, I'm home with the kids on uh, Mondays and Wednesdays under normal circumstances. And they're my priority on Mondays and Wednesdays. And then Tuesday, Thursday, I'm in the clinic all day. My patients are my priority. So it's, it's every day it's, it's juggling and it's, you know, making it work for me and for my family and my patients and my athletes. So yeah, no balance, but just figuring it out. Well, that sounds like you, you know, you're, you, I think that's important. If you don't prioritize, nothing's a priority. Where if you kind of look at it like these are my days and you can almost kind of create, you know, sections in your brain or whatever you're looking at it, that, that makes yeah. it a little bit easier. All right, let me ask you my toughest question, then I'll ask you an easy one and then I'll let you go. Earlier yeah. you said failure is not an option. How are you going to balance that with your kids? How do you balance that mentality of failure is not an option without making your kids crazy? <laughs> Well, I already, I already drive my kids crazy. Um, that's my biggest fear is just completely fucking them up because of something that I did wrong as a parent. That That is my biggest fear right now. And, and when I say failure isn't an option, it's not that I expect my kids to be successful in everything that they do. My expectation is that they try and they never give up. So, and, you know, your oldest is what, 12? He's 11, yeah. 11. So 
can you think of an example where you had to have that conversation with probably him about, hey, you don't want to do this, but giving up is not acceptable? Yeah, I mean, it just, I mean, I can't tell you how many times when it comes to sports, you know, going from one basketball team where he was, you know, top player to the next where he rode the bench and he was like, I want to quit. This is stupid. I hate this. And like, no, that's, that's not what we do. Like, let's go practice, go out with dad. We'll, we'll do some drills and um, this is important. And, 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 you know, like I said, quitting isn't the option. So trying to instill that I, I run a pretty tight ship at my house. My kids are always saying I'm super strict, but I, I hope in the long run that that helps pave the way for, you know, instilling some sense of hard work in them going forward. I have a feeling they're going to hear a lot of, if I can go nine internships on seminar staff, <laughs> you can make it on the middle school. That's too much. <laughs> so, all right. My, my, my last question for you, your mama three, you are still incredibly fit. You routinely beat me on workouts when we work together. What's your yeah, advice? That's not, that's not much, right? I mean, that's oh. easy to do, right? <laughs> Did Fern pay you to say that? Did Fern pay you? So, what what is your advice for the woman that you know popped out a baby how do you come back how do you um you know continue on your fitness journey or maybe start your fitness journey if this is just a new beginning well i would direct them to first purchase my ebook that i just came out oh, with oh is it yeah, uh, this was no, them. <laughs> no plug intended where can they did find you do, did you do yeah so that's on my website uh read fitness and physical therapy. I have um, took some time that I had this quarantine to put together a, a little ebook that basically takes, takes you from, Hey, I just gave birth through, you know, 16, 20 weeks postpartum. It was, you know, I work with a lot of postpartum moms just because I've been there. I've done that. I've had three very different pregnancies and three very different postpartum journeys. So it isn't just a cookie cutter, but you know, I think there, there are so many resources out there. Um, I think for some people, it might be outside the realm of what they can afford. So I try to make this as accessible and with as much content and actionable steps that people would take. Um, but, you know, everyone is different. So it's not like, hey, this is where we start. But, you know, there's some guidelines there. I always recommend that people talk to a physical therapist who specializes in women's health to help guide them through that, that period so they can do so safely um, and without complications and, and get back to where they want to be, wherever that might be on that fitness spectrum, whether it's CrossFit or yoga or running, um, but taking the time to, to rehab, you know, it's, it's important. It's, it's, especially for anyone who has a C-section or has complications, or even if you have no complications, it's like a major life body altering event that happens, right? And we don't think twice about sending someone who had a knee scope to PT for a couple weeks, but people still seem, can't seem to wrap their heads around going to see a physical therapist after having a baby. Yeah. You know, and your I mean, body's been through tremendous trauma. Yeah. Every time I poop, I have to reevaluate my <laughs> training routine, let alone having a, you know, Right, and come I mean, out of my body. Not for nothing, you know, these women who've had babies know what I'm talking about. Like that first poop after you have a baby, like, oh, it's, is that it's real stuff, you know? And 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 being open and trying to help women navigate that area and make it so it's not such a taboo thing. Um, so is, people can is, find is, that. I think important. Readfitness.com, and just to be clear, it's the way it's spelled in the podcast title. 
but read fitness and yep and physical therapy read okay we'll put the link out there so you know whether you are uh you know female or probably also just good for any coach to check out i get i mean i've been asked I tell people all the time, I was, I've been the first to know about pregnancies numerous times over the, yeah. over the years, because females come in and, you know, they maybe don't want to share with the world, but they need to tell your trainer. And it's right. important for you to, I, I learned over the years, hey, you can do sit-ups for this long and you can do this and we have to keep your heart rate in check. So even if you're just a, a CrossFit coach, I think it's important for you to check out hundred percent. You know, my husband's like, oh, I'll just send them to you. I said, no, you need to know this stuff too. You know, the good, bad, the ugly, and you have to get comfortable talking to women about, you know, some of these symptoms and, and not being, you know, skirmish or, you know, embarrassed about some of these questions, you know? Absolutely. Well, it's been a pleasure catching up with you. Yeah. You've got to get you. back you to too. one of your many tasks, but it was really, <laughs> it was really good to hear from just a different perspective. Like I said, we've had a lot of men on the show, but it's nice to hear from females and their perspective and especially that journey on the staff and coaching. So super inf insightful. And I hope if anyone's listening, they can share it with some of their female coaches if they've never listened to the podcast. So yeah. we appreciate your time, Melissa. I th thank, thank you so you. much. Well, have a great rest of your day and we look forward to chatting with you again in the future. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. If you haven't already, do us a favor, head over to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback for either Fern or myself, hit us up, Day at gmail.com or send us a DM over on Instagram at Day. Once again, we couldn't do this without the amazing community and you are a part of it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. Best hour of their day.